actually. We've been going through a series, a teaching series called Chasing the Wind. And uh, we've been going through the book, a book called the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you open your Bible basically to the middle, you'll find Ecclesiastes. It's after uh, Psalms and Proverbs. And then there's this book called Ecclesiastes. And it was written by this man called Solomon. And Solomon was uh, considered and probably still is considered the wisest man who has ever lived. Now, on top of that, Solomon wasn't just wise. Solomon was dirty, filthy, rich. And also, he had like tons of ladies who loved him. This guy was the ultimate guy. Everybody wanted to be Solomon. Well, Solomon went through life, and he was wise. He was rich. He could do whatever he wanted to do. But he found that life became very meaningless to him. All his riches, all his wealth became very meaningless. And what we discovered, we discovered uh, in the first week that Solomon was searching for understanding and meaning to life because he was looking at everything under the sun. But Solomon failed to look at the one who rules over the sun, which is the God of this universe who we worship today. And then we also saw that Solomon started to seek pleasure and happiness in all the different things of this world, in, in the pleasure of this world, in money, in, in, in hobbies. And, and he could not find understanding or happiness in this life because he was trying to make himself happy instead of trying to make God happy. And then last week, we, uh, we, we discovered that Solomon realize that there is a time for everything. There is a season for everything under heaven. And some of us are going through good seasons. Some of us are going through bad seasons. And no matter what season that we're going through, that season is for a meaning and for a purpose. And it's not meaningless, but your life matters and your life matters to God. Well, today, we're going to get through a lot of stuff today. And, uh, and, and I apologize, but there's a whole lot of Bible readings I, I want us to go through. Um, have any of you ever experienced somebody going on a rant? Like what I mean by a rant is that someone just, they have like a grievance and then they talk about that grievance and they just go on and on and on. And, and by the time they finish, there's nothing right with the world. Now, for those of you who've ever worked in customer service, you know you've had that customer who has come and they've complained about the smallest thing and 20 minutes later, they've complained about everything about your company, everything about you, and there is nothing right at all. People go on rants. Maybe you've gone on a rant yourself. Maybe you've ranted at your spouse. Oh, come on, ladies. You know you've ranted at your spouse, right? And guys, maybe you've ranted at your spouse. Who's ranted at their kids? I mean, you've gone on and on about your, on your kids. Your kids probably like, leave a real messy room, and, and it's just got to the point where you just like yell it out to them, and then suddenly you start telling them that they're not washing behind their ears, that their music is too loud, and they're, they're just dirty, filthy little kids, and you're like, get out of my hair. They go on a rant. Well, this happened to Solomon. And what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at Solomon's rant. Now, I don't know if Solomon... Uh, had, had an argument with one of his 700 wives and it made him like real mad. Chances are, if you've got 700 wives, you're probably going to have an argument each day with one of those wives. Um, or if he had just drunk too much of the good wine he told us to drink in, uh, in, in, in chapter 2. Remember, he, said, he says, ah, forget life, just go and enjoy yourself and drink good wine. I don't know if he kind of drank too much wine or something. But all I know is that Solomon starts going on and this rant and he starts finding that there is things in life that are just pointless, that are meaningless. And then he just goes on and on and on and on. And it's like, dude, are you ever going to stop? I mean, he is just going on about, about all sorts of things in life. 
But despite, despite Solomon's rant, we actually still find some amazing words of wisdom from what Solomon says. And even though he singles out a number of different people and how their lives uh, are totally, completely meaningless, what we see from this rant, we see that Solomon suddenly recognizes that there's a whole lot of people who are living their lives in something that we call tragedy. There is a tragedy in their lives. Now, so many, many of us, when we think of tragedy, we think of maybe losing a loved one. Or we think of that, that, that uh, diagnosis from the doctor. Or we think of that financial meltdown that we may be going through. Or we think of, uh, of, of terrorist attacks and lots of people dying. That's what we think of tragedy. But Solomon kind of had a different view of what a tragedy is. Actually, when you define tragedy, you can define it as something like this. Someone or something who was great and now has fallen on a path of destruction. Something or someone who was great who has now fallen on a path of destruction. And Solomon recognizes that there are people in this life who can achieve so much, who can give so much to this world, but yet their lifestyle turns out to be a tragedy. Because their lifestyle puts them on a path of sadness and destruction. And so today I want us to take a look very quickly, and we're going to try and rush through them. And if we don't finish today, then that's fine. We can pick it up next week. But I want us to look at four different types of people. And the four different types of people are this. The loner, the fool, the hoarder, and the workaholic. The loner, the fool, the hoarder, and the workaholic. And Solomon's got some pretty crazy words to say about each of them. So let's look at the first one today, the loner. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And we'll start reading at verse 7. It said, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of the man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. But if one person falls, the other can reach down and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Unless you've got an electric blanket, then you'll be warm alone. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and can conquer. Three are even better for a, three bra- uh, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So first, the first thing that we see here is Solomon tells us about this tragedy. And this is a tragedy about somebody who is a loner. Now, when I talk about loner, I'm not talking about... You know, maybe the guy who walks around Baltimore City just like muttering to himself and he's got like nobody in the world uh, who would even care about it. I'm not even talking about like a lone ranger who just comes in, 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 in town and then out of town. Even though you could include those type of people. But in fact, the, lone, the type of loner that Solomon is talking about is somebody who basically spends all their life doing everything for themselves. Spends all their life doing everything for themselves. They work for themselves. They buy things for themselves. They make their schedule to suit themselves. Friends come, friends go, in and out of their lives, 
just so it doesn't wreck their plans for themselves. They never hold down uh, authentic, committed relationships. They don't really have people in their lives that they can call brother or best friend. This really is Mr. Bachelor or Mrs. Career Woman. And let me just say, we could also include people who have families, people who have spouses, people who have kids. Because even though you have a family and, a, and, and children, you still may be living that, your life to suit everything for yourself. Solomon says that these type of people have a tragic existence. For even though they may seek all the pleasure of this world, they may try to do everything for themselves. At the end of the day, this is what happens to these people. They go home, they climb into an empty bed, and they constantly ask themselves, is this all there is to life? Is this all there is to life? Did you know that life was never intended for you to go it alone? Life was never intended for you to go it alone. From the moment God created this world, he created someone called Adam. And he created someone called Adam so God and Adam could have an authentic relationship. And then God continues and then he creates a woman called Eve. So that Adam now can not just have a relationship with God, but then he can have a relationship with other people. You know, God said in Genesis, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And I tell you today, it is not good for you to be alone. Now, I'm not talking about getting married and, you know, having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a significant other and anything like that. I'm talking about being in community with other people and doing life alone. And let's be honest this morning. Each of us, I'm sure each of us need our own personal space. But the problem is sometimes that personal space could spread to our whole lives. But life is so much better with other people than it is on our own. And when you find people that you can enjoy life with, when you find people who you know they will look out for you and you will look out for them, cling to those people. Stay close to those people. Develop those relationships with those people because when you do, life will be so much easier. I love the movie 300. And I don't know if you, you've ever seen the movie 300, but basically it's all about 300 Roman soldiers who go to war against all the uh, gods of Greek mythology and all the hordes of armies that, that they have. And there's millions and millions that come against this 300. And uh, uh, it's, it's kind of a little gory and things like that. So if you don't like gory movies, don't watch it. But basically it's all about how these 300 men fend off these thousands upon thousands uh, uh, of enemies coming at them. And the way they did it is because they all looked out for each other. They created a formation so that nobody's back was was, uh, open to the enemy. That all around they had eyes and everybody could see. And I, I watched this movie and it started reminding me of how in life, how important community with other people is. Because if we go alone, we are so, and Solomon says, we are open to attack. When things in life come, we are open for those things to come and, and bring destruction in our lives. But when there are other people to walk alongside you, they can watch your back. Just like in that movie 300, everybody watched each other's back. So in community, you can watch each other's back. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse uh, 24. It says this, and I've read this many times here here at Generation Church. But it says this, 
Hebrews 10, 24, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord's return is drawing near. And then in, uh, in Hebrews 13, verse 1, it says, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. And then in Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you may be deceived by sin or hardened against God. There in Hebrews, it is telling us that we, life should be done together, because together you can help each other. I think this is why it's so important uh, that, that, that we have a church. That we just don't sit in our living room and uh, switch on the TV and uh, watch what's ever on there. Or just try to, to find out God ourselves. I think it's so important that we come together as a church because together we can help each other. Maybe you've got questions about God. Well, we can help you work those questions out. Maybe uh, you've got needs in your life. Well, together as a church, we can help meet those needs. Maybe there's just things in your life that you're just feeling lonely. Well, that is what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. It's all about coming together and helping each other in our walk of faith. This is why we've got generation groups and we're starting these groups so that together we can come together and meet together and help one another. Just so that we don't have a tragic existence like Malona. The second thing that that, uh, Solomon says, the second tragedy he sees is what I call the fool. And uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth. So let your words be few. Too much activity Gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises that you make to him. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise that you made was a mistake. That would make God angry, and he might wipe out everything that you have achieved. Talk is cheap, like daydreams. The other useless activities. Fear God instead. So we see here the second tragedy that Solomon talks about is something what we call the fool. Now, how many of you are uh, like American Idol? Like none of you? Okay. Sheesh, are you serious? Who used to like American Idol? There we go. That's more like it. Okay, I don't know if a couple of seasons ago, you remember, that there, was, there was a guy who came in and auditioned, and he started singing a song, uh, um, Looking Like a Fool with Your Pants on the Ground. How many remember that? Yeah. Well, as I was reading this, this week, I started singing, Looking Like a Fool with Your Pants on the Ground. And, and, uh, and, and what he was referring to, that guy, was uh, all those guys who, who walk around with, like, no belts, and uh, their pants basically come below their butt, and they're always pulling their pants up. And, and I'll be honest, they're a bunch of fools. I mean, if you don't wear a belt, you're a bunch of fools. And I don't get it. But Solomon isn't talking about kind of that kind of fool. Solomon has a different kind of version of a fool. 
In fact, Solomon here refers to somebody who makes promises to God without any substance at all. This is the type of person who says to God, if you answer my prayer, then I'm going to do this for you. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that? God, if you answer my prayer, then I'll, I'll, I'll do this for you. Wow, some of you are pretty spiritual and stuff because I know I've said it a lot of times. But Solomon calls this person a fool. I think it's funny at times how we try to bargain with God like we're conducting a sales transaction. Solomon says that talk is cheap. In fact, when it comes to God, talk is what we think we should do. Now, if I was to ask you to define prayer, most of us would probably say it's talking to God. When we make a promise, what do we do? We normally talk. When we don't understand something, we try to talk. And some of you, you're much better talkers than others. And some of you just talk and talk and talk and talk. I don't know if you watched that video last week, that bloopers video that we did. And uh, we, Raquel and myself laughed so hard because there was a bit in there where Raquel was doing this, vi- we were doing this video together and she was just talking and talking and talking. I was just sitting there waiting for my turn to talk. And it just, she talked for about five minutes, no joke. And then at the end, all you saw at the end of the video was her stopping. And we both laughed. And I was like, you were going on and on and on. And sometimes that can happen in life. You can get someone who just goes on and on and on. And you're like, please, would you just be quiet for one moment? Talk us. But so often we can be like this with God. We can just talk and talk and talk. And the result of the talk often is that we make a lot of empty promises. And then we can't keep those promises. And then what happens is we're like, God, why did you not do this for me? Why did you not do that for me? And my question to you is, well, why would God do something for you when you promise that you'll do something for him, but you don't follow through on it? Solomon says here, it's better to say nothing at all than to make false promises to God. Better to say nothing at all than to make false promises to God. James chapter 3 and verse 3 to 12 basically says that the, the, the tongue is, is, is like one of the most evil weapons that you can have. The tongue is something that cannot be tamed. The tongue is something that when you start talking, you can hurt somebody or you can make someone feel great. And the tongue is something so hard. And, the, and Solomon's saying that someone who just talks and talks and speaks out without even thinking is a fool and their life is a tragedy. In fact, Jesus, while talking to, to the multitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, he said this. He says, you have heard how our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Unless you get married, then you need to make vows. Do not say by heaven, because... Heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth, because the earth is God's footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Now, I was reading this this week, and I was like, you can't turn one hair white or black. But boy, your kids can make what your hair turn white, right? Then he says this, just say a simple, yes, I will. Or no, I won't. Yes, I will. Or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. 
So Jesus is saying, he says, when, you make, when you're talking to people, just say, yes, I will, or no, I don't. Don't make false promises. Solomon says, people who do this, their life is like a tragedy, a life that is on the road to destruction. Solomon defines the fool as someone who wastes their words. In fact, Solomon, even he wrote a lot of Proverbs in the, in the book of Proverbs. And he said this in one proverb. He says, the fool says that there is no God. The fool says that there is no God. That person is a fool as well. Let the words that come out of your mouth not be false promises, but let them be words of encouragement to other people. Let the words that come out of your mouth be words of thanksgiving unto God. Let the words that come out of your mouth be words of repentance unto God or words of surrender unto God. Don't make promises that you can't keep because those very promises may be the very things that are keeping you from what you are hoping for. Instead of making those promises, just love God and try to live a life that is holy unto God. Before. The third thing that we see here, the third tragedy, is what we call the hoarder. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5 and verse 11, it says there, it says, The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. And all the guys are like, yep, that's sure right. So what good is wealth, except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who, who work hard sleep well, whether they eat a little or much. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. And he says there is another serious problem or another tragedy I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour. And everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than what they came. All their hard work is for nothing like working for the wind. Throughout their lives they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. So the third tragedy that we see is something that Solomon calls the hoarder. Now, I don't know if you ever see those shows like on TLC or something about people who hoard things. I'm like, I can't watch them because I just don't like clutter much at all. And I don't mind if I can't see it. Like, I'll take stuff and I'll throw it in a closet and shut the door. I'm fine with that. But if there's, like, clutter, like in my bedroom or or in the living room or in the kitchen, I kind of just start getting a little, like, agitated. And so I have to go and, like, get rid of the clutter. Wherever it goes, I don't care as long as there's no clutter. And you see some of these people who just hoard things all the time. And their lives just become this one big mess because they're hoarding all these things. I also, something else I don't understand. I don't understand collectors. Now, I'm sorry if you were a collector this morning. But people who collect like stamps um, or coins. Like, why would you collect coins and never use those coins? And another thing, and, and I know that I might offend some people this morning, but I'm sorry. But people who collect like action figures and like Star Wars figures and stuff. You guys are awesome and I love you, but I don't understand you. Why would you have something that you just put in an attic and put away and you would never see again? I don't understand it. But, but Solomon isn't talking about this kind of hoarder or collector. I'm sure collectors don't want to be called hoarders. 
Solomon is talking about what we call a financial hoarder. You know, we've just been through a big recession and we probably haven't even come out of it and we're probably going to enter into another big recession. And there was a lot of people who hoarded a lot of money financially. And this recession came and took all their money away. And Solomon looks at these people and he says, your life was a tragedy. Because you gained all this money, you gained all this wealth, and you did nothing with it. You put it in some, some risky business investments, but then recession came and it wiped you clean. I don't think Solomon is saying here that people should not save. I think it's wise for people to save money. It's wise to put money aside for a rainy day. But I think he's talking about people who just have, I don't know, have just a desire to watch their bank balance grow and grow and grow and do nothing with it. I love the movie Wall Street. And in the movie Wall Street, one of, uh, the, the, one of, one of the guys uh, is talking to uh, one of the big guys on Wall Street. And he says, everybody has a number. He says, everybody has a number that if they reach that number, they will retire. And so we ask this guy, he says, what is your number? And the big cheese in Wall Street turns around and says, My number is more. Because enough is not enough. And so many of us, we're like that in our lives. We we, we, we want more and more and more and more. And enough is never enough. And Solomon here is saying, he says, what good is all your wealth if you don't do anything good with it? Use your resources for good. Use those things that God has given you for good. Help people in need. Use your resources for an eternal significance instead of temporary pleasure. Jesus said, gave this little parable in, uh, in, Luke, chapter, in Luke chapter 12. And he says this. In verse 13, he says, Then someone called from the crowd. He says, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things? Then he says, beware, guard yourself against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that he produced fine fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then you will get nothing. Uh, then who will get everything that you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with their heavenly father. And I think so many people use their wealth just for their own good. But as we talked about last week, we talked that each of us have an an eternal significance. This life is not it. There is another life after this. And I tell you today, in the words of Solomon, use your wealth or use the things that God has given you. Use your resources for things that have an eternal significance, not just a temporary pleasure. The hoarder has a tragic life. And very quickly this morning, the last thing we see is something called the workaholic. The workaholic in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 1 to 9, it says, There is another serious tragedy I've seen under heaven, and it weighs heavenly on humanity. God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything they could ever want, 
But he doesn't give them the chance to enjoy these things. They die and someone else, even a stranger, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless. A sickening tragedy. A man might have a hundred children and live to be very old. But if he finds no satisfaction in life and doesn't even get a decent burial, it would have been better off for him to have been born dead. His birth would have been uh, meaningless and and it would have ended in darkness. He wouldn't have even had a name and he would have never seen the sun or known its existence. Yet he he would have had more peace than in growing up to be an unhappy man. He might live a thousand years twice over, but still not find contentment. And since he must die like everybody else, well, what's the use? All people spend their lives scratching for food, but they never seem to have enough. So are wise people really better off than fools? Do poor people gain anything being wise and knowing how to act in front of others? Then listen to this. This It's what Solomon says. He says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the winds. Final tragedy here is the workaholic. This is the person who lives for work, who can't get away from work, who lies in bed at night thinking about work. Solomon here is talking about the person who lives to work instead of working to live. And I'm a believer that we were created to work, and I believe that hard work is important. I believe that God gave Adam two jobs when he created them. The first one was to name all the animals, and the second one was to keep the Garden of Eden from like overgrowing and, 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 and to till the land there. And here at Generation Church, one of our values here at the church is this, is work with a smile, play with a smile. And the reason is, is because I think work should be enjoyed. Work should, should be something that we do and we should enjoy to work. But you were not put here on this earth just to work. Your existence isn't just about working. Your work is really uh, uh, is about doing all you can in this life to make the next life significant. And let me ask you today, for those of you who work so much, Is your work worth your marriage? Is your work uh, worth your kids growing up never knowing their mother or their father? Is your work really worth all those health issues that you may have? And I'll answer it for you today. It's not. There's nothing in this world that is worth putting your family at risk, putting your marriage at risk, putting your health at risk. Your existence here on earth is not all about working. And Solomon here gives us the best advice, one of the best pieces of advice I could imagine, and this is it. Enjoy what you have and stop desiring what you don't have. Enjoy what you have, stop desiring what you don't have. So many of us, we just look at other people, we look at their lives, we look at the things that we have, and we're like, I want that, I want that. Well, God has blessed you with so much. Firstly, you live here in the United States, and sometimes, yeah, that can be tough, I know, because we can get access to anything what we have, and we even have a Wegmans. I tell you, living here is a blessing in itself. 
Most of you have cars to drive. Most of you have a roof over your head. Your life is not in danger. That is a blessing. But then we have families. We have friends. We have churches that we can come to. We have things in our life that are a blessing. Stop desiring what you don't have and look at the things that you do have. Stop working and working and working, hoping that your life will be better if you just get more when what you have is enough. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 said this. He said, not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and I know how to live with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This man, this Apostle Paul, understood that no matter what phase of life that you are in, be content. Be content in what you have. And I ask you today, can you identify with any of these people? The loner, the fool, the hoarder, or the workaholic? Maybe you're a loner because... You reject people getting close to you because you know when people get close to you, people hurt you. Maybe you make full of, uh, maybe you're full of false promises. Maybe you just talk a little too much and you know it, but you find it really hard to commit. Maybe you're a hoarder and you use your resources for your own good instead of the good of others. Maybe you're one who is never content. And you're always desiring what you don't have. And if that's you today, Solomon says that your life is tragic. It's a tragedy. The reason is, is because at the end of your life, you will be disappointed and you will miss the whole point of life itself. Like I said last week, we talked about being eternal beings. This life was not intended to be it. This is the life that prepares us for eternity, prepares us for another life. And so I tell you today, let your life have eternal significance. Maybe today your life is a tragedy. Maybe it's on a path of destruction. Maybe it's on a path of pain and frustration. The amazing thing is this. If your life is a tragedy today, there is somebody, his name is Jesus Christ, who specializes in making tragedies something of beauty. And your life may be tragic today. And you may be going through stuff in your life. And you may be resonated with some of these people today. If that is you today, there is hope. And the reason there is hope, because there is someone called Jesus Christ who has come, who has given his life, that you may have a life that is not a tragedy, but it is a life of significance and a life of hope. He has come to give you a promise. He's not one of those fools who breaks a promise. But his promise is a promise that endures for eternity. And the promise is this. If you just believe on him and follow him, then you will find salvation. Salvation from this tragic life. Salvation from a path of destruction. Salvation for eternity. Salvation from loneliness and heartbreak. 
And I tell you today, give your life to the Lord. Whether you've never given your life before or you've been a Christian for many years, give your life completely unto God. Let your life have eternal significance. And this is what will happen. You will find new life. Let's pray.